0: Second Corinthians chapter 10, our text for the subject that we're talking about, the enemy within. The enemy within, we may not like to admit that, but the Bible tells us that we do have things in our lives. When we come to the Lord that need to be cleansed, they didn't get in there to help us, they got in there to hinder us. The thief comes but to kill and to steal and destroy. Now, in 2 Corinthians 4 and five, it describes our warfare. We're in a warfare, a continuous war. And what we're battling against is an enemy who has established what is called strongholds in your life. And again, you may not want to admit that because, oh, I'm saved now, I'm free. Well, you'd be surprised how many free people are aggravating, hard to get along with, pout, or are fearful, insecure, easily defeated, give up. There's things that get established in people's lives that rule and control people. These are strongholds. And a stronghold, by definition, is a fortress, something that has been erected on the inside of a person to keep God and his way out, to keep you bound in some way. Jesus said he came to loose the prisoners. Remember that? To set the captives free. Those that were bound, he came to loose them. And the Bible indicates that all of us, in some degree and in some way, have strongholds that we must deal with. The very reason that churches can't get along and people in churches don't get along with each other is because of these personality conflicts and attitudes that have been developed in us. We don't know how they got there. The psychologists have a name for that, but it's the devil as far as I'm concerned. These are things that make us difficult, make us harsh, make us hard, make us weak. These are things that are entrenched in a lot of people. Why they can't get along with some kinds of people, why they can't do a lot of things they're supposed to do, while there's such a condescending to things like whining and complaining or being critical and just not trying. Something inside of a person does that because not everybody's like that but some people are, and yet while some people may be free here, they're bound over here. But it's for all of us to discover, as we walk with the Lord, what it is about us that we must fight against and pull down. Last time, as we were closing, we asked the question, how do you pull down strongholds? How do we pull them down? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse six, It says, for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, there are several words there we're going to come back to later on. But let me read that again. God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, that's talking about the creation, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, which is in the person of Jesus Christ. We said this, that the one ingredient that we need is light. We can't fight against something if we don't know what it is. I cannot deal in my life with the problem I have if I don't know that I have it. I cannot overcome something that I'm blind to. Darkness is a terrible master of people's lives because it keeps you in the dark. You cannot see what maybe others can see or what the Bible says. You're one of those people that look in the mirror, you listen to the word, and you hear what it says, and you go your own way. But because you don't comprehend it, you never use that, what you saw, as a weapon God gave you to deal with your problems. It's a terrible thing. Darkness is awful. Jesus described darkness as a blind man walking down the road and said, eventually, he'll fall into a ditch. And we should not walk that way. We should not fall in the ditches, and we should not be in Darkness. We should not be blind to the things that God is saying and the things that God is doing. God alone can give light to expose or expel darkness. And he says here that he shines in our heart to give light of the glory of God. If you look over in the chapter before this, chapter three, just maybe the other side of your page there. In verse 18, he says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into that same glory that we're seeing. And he mentions in chapter 4, again, of verse 6, that God gives light of that very knowledge. God shows us what we need to see. God is able alone to make you aware, you personally aware of your specific need to deal with something specific in your life. You may not have known what it was until you got married this weakness of personality and things. They just dominate people. It's the result of sin. Sin lieth at the door, Genesis says. The very first book in the Bible. Sin lies at every man's door. It seeks to get in because its desire is for you. And the Bible says you must rule it or him. You must master all these things that the devil has thrown at you. All these tendencies that you have to back off and give up. And I don't know about that. Well, you know, somebody, you got to deal with it. If you don't, it rules you. Even though you hear the word, it rules you. Paul said in Romans 6, he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. God has given you power and authority over everything that has ever dominated you or your family tree that's been passed down. God has given you something to deal with it and to be set free from it. The same verse in 2 Corinthians 4 about being changed into the same image. You know, Jesus, as we looked at Jesus, as what we see in him. He was ruled by nothing but God. He said, the devil has no place in me. And yet he was tempted in all points like we are. He faced the same things that we face, and he never yielded to it. He never complained. He never backed off. He never quit. He lived his whole life in service to God, and that's why we're here today, because he set us free. And we thank God for all of that. So why does the devil leave then? Well, you get light. Light begins to show you things. How many of you know that just because God has shown you something about yourself, it doesn't mean you'll deal with it? Because there's another little thing, another little stronghold in your life that says, well, I'm not the only one. and That seems to be your excuse for not dealing with what God says you need to deal with this. And so we begin to compare ourselves with each other. Well, I'm better than that one. I'm no worse than that one. You know, that's why people can't get saved. You ask the average person today, average person, why would God allow you in heaven? I could ask you right here in this room. Why would God allow any of us in heaven? We know one day we die. We can't live forever until Jesus comes. But why would he let any of us in heaven? Any of us. What gives us a right to go to heaven? you know what the average answer is? Well, I try, I'm good. I'm not all that bad, I think God knows it. And they start giving all this human logic and reason. Well, I'm not as bad as some people, I'm not that bad. I mean, surely God wouldn't keep me out of heaven because of this. We start making up all these little reasons why, as little gods, we're good enough. We're good enough. Which translates into this fortress on the inside, says you really don't need Jesus or whatever he did you really don't need for yourself because all you have to do is be good just do more good than you did bad and then when you die surely God's bigger than you know your little weaknesses and he'll let you in heaven you weren't all that bad and multitudes of people are dying and will perish because of that attitude because no man is good nobody will ever be good enough that's our message And so we realize that I can't use that as an excuse. I have to be saved. God has to do something. God has to shine in my heart and show me my sin and show me my failed attitudes. And he has to forgive me and he has to do all this work on the inside of me. I cannot save myself. And when he does save me and he delivers me from the sentence of sin and brings me to himself, and sets me in his presence, I'm his child. Flawed, dirty, but I'm his child. Cleansed from my sins, but all my past has gotta be dealt with. That's why Paul said that you need to have your mind renewed, don't you? You gotta have your mind renewed. Be not fashioned according to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember that? And so here we sit before the Lord and realize, you know, I need to hear as much from God as I can. I need to be where I can hear the word. I need to read about it. I need to listen to it. I have a personal inward desire, we should say, for God to speak to me. Not just so I can feel better about myself, but so that I can deal with myself. I have no boast of myself, of my goodness or my accomplishments. I am his by his choice, and he gave me the freedom to respond to that choice. Now that I'm his, I need to be cleansed. Then just 2 Corinthians 7, 1 said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of flesh and spirit. We don't even know what they are. How can I find out? Go Listen. Avail yourself to somewhere that somebody's going to teach you or read or do something. Because there's an enemy you've got to deal with. You can never escape his attacks in this life. He is always after you, after your children, after your health, your body, something. He never stops. You can never so defeat the devil in some time in your life that he'll never come back. He will come back. Jesus said this about our enemy. Matthew 12, he said, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, they do. Sometimes they actually do. When the unclean spirit, Jesus said, has gone out of a man, the spirit walks through dry places seeking rest, something to inhabit. And finding none, he goes back to where he was originally to get back in. So just because he left doesn't mean he won't come back. Just because you're whoopie-doo today doesn't mean you won't be crying and sorrowful tomorrow. You've got to deal with stuff all the time. Because the devil wants to rob you of your testimony, rob you of your peace, rob you of your joy, or to make you hateful or difficult, hard to get along. Anything he can to keep Christian character from being developed in your life. And we've got to deal with it, but we can't deal with it unless God shows us what to deal with. So we teach And hopefully you were in an atmosphere where even though I didn't say something specifically, God could about your life and about things that you need to deal with. Jesus said, if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils. Now, does that mean that devils can be cast out? That in some cases, the enemy within is just not the residue of what he taught you and trained you. Sometimes he's in there. Certain kind of a spirit. Oh, Christians couldn't have spirits. Could Christians ever have an infirmity? Could Christians be blind? Could Christians be halt, lame, or dumb? Those were spirits in the Bible. They had to cast them out. Paul said if you receive another Jesus or another spirit, don't tell me that people can't be bound and deceived by words and believe those words and follow those words and get bound. It happens all the time. The devil's a master deceiver. He goes about like a roaring lion looking for people that he can deceive, for people that he can mislead, for people that he can stop this journey to heaven and the glory and stop you from being useful to God. He works hard at it. We have to work just as hard fighting back because we're in a warfare. But concerning this same devil, Jesus said in Luke 11, he said, but when a stronger than he overcomes him. Now Jesus is talking about, here's a devil who rules and controls. But now when somebody comes along who is stronger than this devil, this strong man, when somebody is stronger than a strong man and this somebody overcomes him, Jesus went on to say, He taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted. So that when Jesus, the strong man, gets through with the devil, the stronger than he, when Jesus gets through with the devil and he overcomes him and defeated him, then the devil doesn't have that right to do everything he used to unless you give it to him because legally we're free. Jesus has won the battle He said in 1 John 3, 7, he said, for this cause the Son of Man came into the world that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, he did. Jesus said in John 16, in verse 33, be of good cheer, i have overcome the world. Everything the devil threw at me, I resisted. He had no place in me. He couldn't win any battle in my life. We fought and we struggled, sometimes for 40 days, and it was difficult and hard. But on the same terms that you folks are living in in human flesh, I overcame him. And so can you. Because I have, by overcoming him, I have triumphed over him. And he has no more rights to triumph over you unless you give it to him. But just remember, you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. You may not be interested in the truth. Churches may be a social proper thing you should do, but when you get involved and God saves you and your heart is open, I want to learn, I want to know what God is saying, then you begin to strive after things, seek after things. You begin to grow and develop your awareness of of your mission in this world, not only to proclaim and witness to Christ and be a soul winner, but also one who is able to deal with people who are bound. We call it deliverance because there's so many people that are bound. Not always with demonic control that are being possessed, but sometimes just people that can't get things right. They just can't understand things. And there you are, you're being taught, you've learned. You can tell them that, you can help them get free because God has given you light and now you're a witness to that light wherever you go. Or you can put a bushel over your light and nobody will know you're a Christian because you're just a good old boy, a good old girl. But that's not what God called us to. That's one of the ploys of the devil. Well, you're all right. You don't have to go after and do all of that. So he begins to make you again the God of your own destiny, because you do things the way you see it, not the way God wants you to do it. Now, dealing with the devil. How do we get this done? How do we make this work? What causes the devil to leave? Well, one word power. I like the word power. You can use it right. You can use it wrong. It can destroy you or it can elevate Jesus in you. But power. There is power, first of all, today in Proverbs. Would you turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 9. Proverbs 11 and verse 9. And there is power in knowing The end of that verse says, through knowledge shall the just be delivered. A casual reader might not be delivered. Well, I've read the Bible. It says the just, doesn't it? Those that have been made right with God, they want to be free. If your heart is right, if your heart is still sincere and open to God, if your hands truly are on this plow that Luke 9 talks about, if all of this is still true in your life, You really do want to know what God says about anything and everything, especially about you. And he says, through knowledge shall the just be delivered. How does that work? Is there power in knowledge? Obviously there is because the devil knows when you start knowing things the way God wants you to know it, he's going to lose his grip on your life because you're going to know how to deal with that you're going to know what's right and you're going to know what's wrong. And when the devil says, well, why don't you do this? Knowledge pops up in your heart. That's what the Holy Spirit uses to bring to your memory, knowledge. And he begins to say, no, remember when the Bible says we shouldn't do that? And through knowledge, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I resist it. I'm not going to do that because that's not what I've been taught that we as Christians should do. Knowledge is a powerful force. He said in John chapter 8, I quoted a while ago, verse 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth. That's the word of God. You shall know the truth, and what will the truth do? It will make you free, which implies that before you knew the truth, there was in some degree Bondage in your life, some measure of bondage. God gave you his word so he could liberate you and set you free. Now, just because you've heard the word doesn't mean you get free. Just because you go to church and listen to sermons doesn't mean you get free. You get free when you make application. He that knoweth to do good, you got to do it. Don't just listen, don't just be a hearer, you gotta be a doer. But their power is in knowing what to do. This is the way walking in it. When I'm walking this way, the devil has no place in me. He cannot control me when I'm walking in the light. And the word of God is light. You know that, don't you? And so he gives us the word, he said, this is the way I want you to live. This will tell you what's right and what's wrong. This is what we should teach. God's complaining in the Old Testament to the prophets and the priests as a reason why a nation was about to be judged and thrown into captivity. God's going to judge a whole bunch of them. And one of the judgments that God leveled against those people before they went into captivity was against the teachers, the preachers. He said, you have not taught my people the difference between the clean and the unclean. And they, being naturally inclined to whatever pleases the flesh, have gone a-whoring from God after these idols and all of these orgies that they do in those foreign countries. And as a result, my people are so steeped into sin, I have to judge the whole nations. Sin must be judged. A righteous God commands it. He said, if you people had taught them, he told them in Jeremiah chapter 23, if you had taught my people the difference between right and wrong, I wouldn't have to judge them. Maybe you were afraid of their response. You might lose your authority or something, so you didn't want to tell them what they needed to know, and you let it go. Or you're the preacher, and you don't want to upset people in the congregation, so you leave certain subjects alone. Because if they fire you, what are you going to do next? God help us. God help us. There is no time in this life you ever know enough. I've heard people say, you know, ministers that come back here and say, oh, you all know more than anybody I know, and I think we don't know anything. You just think we do because, well, we don't know much. But the little bit that we do know has changed our lives. And think of how much more our lives change when more light comes in and there's more willingness to do it. Seek. Seek. And you shall find, teach me thy ways, O Lord, that I may walk in thy truth. Turn to our our church verse, Ephesians 4. We're going to memorize this verse one of these days. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, then the next verse, that we henceforth be no longer what? Well, listen to what it says. The measure of the stature follows knowledge. Knowledge enables us to grow into something that we now know what to grow up into. We know something. We know something. And that enables us to do something Right? Now that we know what he wants, we know what we can do, and whatever he wants us to do is right. He said, so that we henceforth be no longer children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Does your Bible say something like that? Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the cleverness of man, cunning craftiness, whereby they lay in wait to deceive. You know what delivers us from men like that is knowledge. Hopefully we'll all come to the place where preachers or anybody on the street, neighbor, whoever, nobody can tell you just anything and quote say that quote in the Bible and that makes it right. You'll know what's right and you'll know what's wrong because of the word that's living inside of you. Little flags go up sometimes when preachers say things. I read things quite a bit. Especially on sermons, you know, Google. Man, I didn't know there were so many sermons on the Google net. I listen to a number of them and every now and then I hear a portion of one of them and I think, how in the world did you ever come to, have you never read? You know what keeps me from following stuff like that? Not a bad attitude. I know, I know what's, but you know what keeps me from following people like that? Is I know something better. I'm gonna escape being snared by something some elevated person said or some well-known person said because I've read the Bible myself and I know better than that. I've studied that. I know better than that. What you said sounds good. People like that, but it's not right. The reason we all escape snares that are laid for us is because we know something. We're not ignorant. God said his people were destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Or in Isaiah five thirteen, he said, my people go into captivity because they have no knowledge. Who's going to teach us? God put teachers in the church. People say, I don't like to be taught. Then there's nothing we can do for you. You must just live your life and await a day of judgment. If you don't want to learn, you cannot grow. He that knoweth groweth. And if you don't know, you don't grow. And if you don't grow, how do you bear fruit? You were just a little seed put in the ground and nothing more. And no glory came out of that. So we labor, as Paul told Timothy several times, you labor in the word and doctrine. And you teach in season or out of season. You proclaim it because this is what God is going to use to set us free. And the devil hates for you to know the truth. Again, he knows when you know the truth, you may be in the valley of decision. But now you know right from wrong. It doesn't mean you'll do right. You just simply know right. Now you've got a decision to make. This is where those strongholds appear with all the logic and reason of why you're not ready for that or why you shouldn't do that or why it would cost you that and why should you give up everything because of, it's, all of that stuff comes up. You're in the valley. You'll either do what you know is right and pay the price or you'll make excuses and not quite do that so you can keep your own whatever you've got and and head for that darkness that's down the road. But we're all going to make a decision. But we can't make right decisions until we know what the right decisions are. A second thing that we use in combating the devil is to resist him. Resisting the devil. Turn to James 4. In the back there, James chapter 4 and verse 7. Resisting James 4 and verse 7 says, resist the devil, and what happens? You know, let me say this about knowledge again. You can't resist somebody you don't know anything about. You couldn't resist the devil if you didn't know that was the devil. You couldn't resist demonic thoughts if you did not know those thoughts were demonic, could you? If you don't have any light, if you don't have any knowledge, how do you resist anything? Maybe that's why Christians are so easily deceived into cults. They say that 80% of all the people in cults, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, on down the line, are people in traditional churches. Because it is not the practice of traditional churches to teach its people because people by nature don't like to think of church as school. Have to carry a Bible or take notes. To, I mean, it doesn't seem like we should have to learn things. I mean, we're Christians after all. We don't need any of that. And they're so easily deceived. It seemed like the older we get, the older some people get, the harder it is to teach them. They get set in their ways, and it's difficult. Paul said to the Hebrews church, he said, you know, I have things I like to teach you, but you know why I couldn't? Because they were dull of hearing. They'd set themselves against their need for teaching. Again, they became little gods. I determined my own destiny. I don't need that. I don't need to go to church. I'm good as they are. Going to church doesn't make me good. Thinking like that. So therefore, you begin to make your own little decisions in opposition to God. Somebody says, have you been saved? I'm as good as you are. They're ignorant of the truth. They've never yet humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God and admitted that God is altogether right and you're altogether wrong. They've never done that. They simply justify who they are and what they're doing. And resist the devil? No such thing. They cooperate with him. The devil is logical and reasonable. He gives you things to think about that satisfy your lust and flesh and so forth. Jesus himself said, the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. Have you ever heard that? Jesus said the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. See, the children of this world know that they don't stay young and exciting and energetic forever. The good day comes, you get older and you slow down and so you start planning for tomorrow. Maybe uh, there are IRAs or retirement accounts or getting things paid for and you know, getting yourself so that As you come to the terminus or the end of your life, you're not burdened by the pressure from the world to leave or anything. So you got money to make it through life, you got this. So they they plan ahead, they plan ahead. He said the children of of God's kingdom don't. They don't even listen about what's coming. They don't even listen about tomorrow when Jesus is coming and looking for a bride that is adorned and made ready for the Lord. They don't even know what making ready means. They're not interested in being made ready because all they want to do is go to church. And so they turn that stuff off and they miss it. And whenever you talk like that, people think, oh, surely not all of them. I'm not the judge of anybody. I read the Bible. I know that God is fair. I also know that he's just and that God must judge sin. For this grandmother, grandpa, mom, dad, or the... God in prison, God must judge sin. And if we block out our need to know the difference between right and wrong and what sin is and what sin isn't, we not only don't know the difference, but when it comes time to resist the devil, we don't even know if that's the devil. We don't even know. We've taken the D from the word devil and added an E to the front of it. We just add another O to God. we have good and evil and there's just a logical way that people live well you know not everybody they start talking like that they don't know any better they're hard to teach because they're all little gods they're all satisfied that we're good enough we don't need to know all of that I'm not going to church where I have to learn and sit for what an hour and 13 minutes maybe an hour and five minutes and listen I don't need somebody to tell me what to do so they can't resist the devil. They can't warfare a good war against the devil. They probably don't even know what that is anyway and don't want to hear about it. I don't like that devil talk. And so they rest on the laurels of a hand raised in a little chapel somewhere a few years ago and that's all they'll ever need. They never go any further than that. God can't use them. I said, God can't use them. You know who's useful to the Lord? In a great house, there's not only good things, gold things, but there's also wood, hay, and stubble. And Paul wrote, if a man will therefore cleanse himself from these things, he shall be a vessel fit and useful to God. But he can't cleanse himself of something if he doesn't know what that something is. The devil's a master deceiver. You don't need that. You're all right. Don't get all tore about that. You're okay. And so people don't cleanse themselves. They don't see their need for it. Or a preacher talked them out of it. And consequently, how can you resist the devil? How can you take a stand? The word resist means to take a stand against it. It's almost the opposite of running, quitting, giving up, backing all. Oh. You stand your ground because you know that what you've heard, that greater is he that is in you than he that is attacking you. So you take your stand. You resist the devil. Maybe it's pain, illness, other things. Maybe it's unsaved children, parents, wife, husband, financial things, things that you just want to say, I don't know what to do. Instead of doing that, you say, you know what? I do know what I'm going to do. Because when people start this, they say, I just don't know what to do. Well, have you ever been to church where they teach? Have you all here? Well, then you don't have to ever Ever say in your life, I just don't know what to do. You do too. Because that's why you can't resist the devil, because whatever was been taught, you didn't get it. I don't know why you're hollering at me. You gotta listen. Pay attention. You're fighting a war out here. Somebody wants your kids. Somebody wants your health. Somebody wants your money. Somebody wants you sad and dejected. Somebody wants to see you fail so badly. The author of failure is the devil. He's looking for people that'll play his game so he can occupy and ruin their lives. And one of the great things that he gave us is to resist the devil. Now, we get to deliverance later. Some people are not able to resist for mental problems or Other kind of problem, they don't know how to resist and they need help. But for us, with our eyes open, church twice a week, Bible reading seven days a week, we're without excuse. Why should the devil have rights to anybody in this room? Why should he have a right to destroy you or make misfits out of any of us? Why should he ever have that right? We give it to him. We don't resist him. He comes at you this way, and if you resist him that way, he comes at you this way. I remember stories about in homes where there was witchcraft. I don't mean crystal balls and burning chicken bones and nothing like that. I'm talking about just attitudes, controlling spirits. Control. If the woman... When trying to control her husband, if she couldn't throw a little kind of a hissy fit. Is hissy still a word? (laughs) Bonnie and I use it all the time. I hope it's not a bad one, but we throw a little fit. And he said, okay, honey, all right. And she kind of does that to get her way. Now, when he gets wise of that, he said, I ain't going to do it. And then he comes out, you don't love me anymore. Well, I do, but you're making it hard. A man gets wise to the ways of God. He begins aware that this is nothing more than a work of the devil. or Hey, this is the devil coming at this angle. You only come to that when you learn. When you begin to be wise like the Lord is, and then you realize, I'm not going to do that. So he resists the devil. Fear is a great weapon of the devil. He tried to use fear all the time you can be greatly afraid while you're resisting the devil. I mean, what time I am afraid, the psalmist said, I will trust the Lord. So we're not saying that when a storm's coming at you or the snow or whatever other kind of fearful thing in your life is looking at you, that doesn't mean that you say, I ain't got no problem with you. But sometimes you're thinking, what does the word say? Somebody told me years ago in a story, I read it or something, a man named Smith Wigglesworth. A man of faith, a plumber who became a a mighty preacher, all because he just trusted God in childlike faith. Went someplace to preach, stayed in the guy's house in the middle of the night. He heard this noise in the room, a breathing or something. And so he got him a match and he lit his candle. He didn't have lights. And he held his candle up in the room. He said, who is it? And in the story he said, it was a devil. They said, Smith Wigglesworth said, oh, it's you. <sighs> <But> it's not. <laughs> I'm not too concerned about you because if you have no place in me, you can't do anything to me. You can make a lot of noise and make a lot of racket, but you cannot do anything to me. So, <sighs> see, you resist the devil once you know how he does and what he does. Doesn't the Bible say we're not to be ignorant of his devices? Doesn't it say that? that we are to learn what he does and how he does it so we can what? So we can resist him. God wants us to be free. He wants us to be free and set free and help others to get free and, and to walk free. How about a third one? How about faith? Faith. Because faith is the one that puts it all together anyway. Hopefully we talk about it a lot Hopefully we don't misrepresent it and make it something that it's not, but make it everything it fully is. That without it, we can't please God. Without it, we can't defeat the devil. Because in 1 Peter 5, about resistance, remember he said, for your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking somebody he can devour. Then Peter wrote this, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Remember that? I don't want you to have to turn to it because you're taking up all my time. But, but remember he said that, resist steadfast in the faith? You've got to believe something. You can know something. You can know it, academically know it and not believe it. You can set it aside and it never becomes the way you live. You never use what you know to resist the devil because you're not sure it'll work. And when you're not sure, you can't have faith. When you're not sure, it's like being tossed to and fro by the waves of the sea. You can ask and you can pray. You're good about praying and prayer meetings and and asking and pleading with God. You're just not good at receiving. Jesus said, when you pray, I hope you know this one. When you pray, believe that you have received. Have received what? What you're asking for. Well, am I asking for something that's God's will? Well, what does the Bible say? Is it God's will to heal your body? Well, if it is, then ask. Ask. He said, I'm the Lord that heals you. In Psalm 107, verse 20, I'm the Lord that healed thee. Then he said that, ask and you shall receive. All the promises are yes and amen, so forth. But none of it works until you have faith. Remember, uh, maybe it was Wednesday night. We were in Acts 13 a story about a man of renown named Sergius Paulus. Remember that? Those of you that were here. And Sergius Paulus was a main man on this area. And there was another man there who was a false prophet, a place called Paphos. His name was Bar-Jesus. And he was trying to talk the deputy out of the faith. He wanted to hear what Paul had to say, and he called for him. And the, the Bible said this false prophet withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul from the faith. Because the devil knows when you people start believing what you're hearing and you start living as though you believe it, the devil's power is broken. Because in every one of these things, there is power in knowing, there is obvious power in resisting, and there is power in faith. What other word did God use to say that this will move trees or this will move mountains? What other word did he say that nothing shall be impossible to you? Well, the devil knows his power is broken in your life, in your family, and over your children, over what you've got, once you learn to put this together. That's why we're here. That's why we're here to learn. Teach me thy ways, O oh Lord. Why? So that I can walk in thy truth which is the light and the revelation of your word. Open my eyes, the psalmist said, that I may behold wondrous things from thy law. Help me to see what you're doing and help me to know how to respond and cooperate and so forth. Without faith we can't please God. With faith, Matthew 17 says, nothing. Think of it, nothing is impossible. What about your financial problem? Nothing is impossible. You'll have to do things God's way. You can't just grab a verse of scripture and say it's gonna work because I can quote it. No, you gotta get it in order, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's gonna take some time. You may have to go back, sit down, listen to a tape, shut the world out. Pray a little while. Think about it. Ask God to give you a clear mind. Ask God to give you a spiritual mind. Help me to see things, Lord. It's out of that kind of an environment that faith comes. And when faith comes, assurance comes. And when assurance comes, persuasion comes. And that's what faith is. Faith is a firm persuasion that what God has said, God will do. Not God could do, not God has done, but God will do. We're here today with the reality, looking at this book, with the reality that everything that God has written in this book was written for us, for our learning. Romans 15, 4, the things that were written aforetime are written for our learning. We're here to learn. It was written a long time ago, but what was written a long time ago in the Old Testament is applicable for us today and all its promises and all of its stories and its conclusions. These are types and shadows, a lot of these things in the Old Testament. Noah's Ark was a true event, but it's also a true picture of Christ. Those who go into the Ark are safe. The Ark floats because it's, covered with pitch, which is a type of the blood of Jesus. It keeps a destroyer out, the water. And they were not destroyed, they were saved. So that not only was a true picture of the Old Testament of the ark, but it has symbolism for us today to realize that the same is true for us. When we go into the ark like lions and lambs lying together, our natures will be changed too. We won't be fighting anymore. I won't be killing you and lion killing the lamb. Everything changes. God does something when we're in Christ. So this is part of our learning. We study these things. We see these things. It makes us better equipped to be workmen out there talking to people who live next door. We just begin to learn things that God wants to show us. Things where with God equips us, makes us ready. You see, the devil knows. That when you speak faith, when you speak a word of faith to the devil, and you believe it, the devil knows. He knows it when you do that, when you're sure of it. Yes, he knows you'll hold fast and you won't let go, even though the devil holds on for a moment. He knows he has to let go. He knows that. They spoke out and cried out in the assemblies where Jesus was preaching. He was teaching, and people in whom a spirit was would cry out, we know you, who you are, thou son of David. And Jesus would tell them to hush, shut up, and come out. And they came out in a show and a display, and they made people scared, and they made a racket and all that, it didn't scare Jesus. The devil does whatever he can to turn you away from what's right. But you have power, folks, power and authority belongs to us. It is ours. It was given to us. God has granted that to us. All authority in heaven and earth, Jesus said, has been given unto me, and he gave that same kind of power to us. Is that not right? Of course it is right. I want you to turn to another verse of scripture that we looked at a while ago, but I want to emphasize it one more time before I go to my next point. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19 about power. This is a good verse to remember. Behold, he said, I give to you power. Now that word is exousia, exousia. As a word, it means authority, the right, maybe even a privilege. It's something that is granted to you as a right, as an authority that you have. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and on scorpions and on what? All the power of the enemy. And then what does he say? And nothing shall by any means harm you. Would to God a whole congregation of people could experience that, that no weapon No weapon the devil has that is formed and shaped against me was able to prosper. Why? Because I'm a Superman? No. Because of the power and the authority of words that God gave to me. Just words. Words. But the words became when words created the world words create power and something inside of you that makes you strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And you have this power, this authority that's given, whether you ever use it or not, I don't know, but you have it. It's given to you. Just like that man who bought a ticket to go to America from a foreign country. He didn't know he got to sleep in a nice bed and eat nice food every night, that that was part of the ticket. And he ate a lunch and nearly starved to death going to America when he could have lived in fine style. Same with us. We're just so glad to be in here and hoping we'll go to heaven. You forget you got a life to live and a war to fight. You've got responsibilities as being saved to live in a certain way and you've got to engage the devil. But You have power and authority over the devil. The second word there in Luke 10, 19, over all the power of the enemy, that word power of the enemy, the word power there is dunamis or dynamite. Boom! Listen to me. You have authority over his boom dynamite. You have authority over it. He has no right to exercise that on you. You have a right to exercise your authority over him. Let's say the devil causing you to misplace things. You can't find things. Lose your keys, lose your wallet, lose your checkbook. What else can you lose that's really important? So you can't find it. One day as a Christian, you say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. This is not right. I don't have to struggle with this all the time. Get your hands off of my wallet, my keys, and whatever, devil, and then you find them. You don't have to go around all the Of course, I just blame my wife because she don't mind me blaming her for everything, you know. But we have power to do something about every area of your life. You got a sassy kid? There are obvious things you can do about that in a loving and kind way. But you also have authority. Sometimes they might have picked up something at school from one of their friends. At a certain age, they do want to gravitate to that racy crowd. All youngsters do. Most youngsters do, not all. They want to be accepted, they want to be noticed, or admired. they want admired, boys want to be tough and cool, and girls want to be, you know, hopefully as Christians they grow out of that. That's a tough time to warfare, because kids aren't used to fighting spiritually at that age. So where's mom and dad come in? Sometimes, usually it's mom, because she's home. She goes into bed and she lays hands on that pillow and she says, now I know, devil, you're trying to get my daughter or my son. And you're trying to take them away from the way we want to raise them. But I lay hands on this pillow and I confess that whoever sleeps on this pillow tonight will be rescued from the powers of darkness and that God will save and keep them and they shall be saved. I release that authority now in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of folks say, you, you can't do that. I just did. <laughs> Didn't you hear me say it? You want me to do it again? I just did it. Well, you can't do that. I just did. Well, you have no, uh, you have no, you have no uh, right to do that. I think I do. He said, what things soever you desire. Is that in the Bible? That's right. And one of the things I desire, I want my child saved. Look, I don't go for this time out stuff. I don't know who invented time out. My mother didn't know what timeout was. (laughs) My mother knew what limb off the tree was and liked to warm me out with, but there's a place for that too. Bible teaches that. And if you're from the child protection agency here this morning, just deal with it, all right? We're Christians. I'm not scared of those people either. I'm just saying we have a way to live the world can't accept. And we do our best to live in on God's terms. And the devil says, well, don't do that because, you know, if you do that, if you do what the Bible says there, this or that will happen. I wonder how many parents don't discipline their children. My daddy never spanked me. I'd run from my dad when I was little. Yeah, I knew he couldn't catch me. I'd run from him. I wouldn't run from my mother because she did all the cooking and I had to come home. Wonder how many children are not scared of their daddy, or maybe have no respect for his authority. Don't want to spank their child. Don't want to discipline their child because because what? What? They won't like you. They'll never stop loving you, even when they don't like you. They love you. They will. There's a bond there that'll always be. Even the. Children that say, I hate my mother, hate my father, deep inside, they don't mean it. We have a moral obligation to God to do things his way. We may suffer for it in this world by society if we do, but we got to do it his way, even at the cost of whatever happens. And the devil, if he can talk us out of doing it God's way, well, you know, today if you do that, they'll do this. Well, you got a choice to make. You're in a valley of decision. As for me and my house, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to do it discreetly and then do it with a lot of wisdom as much as I know how, but I'm going to deal with it. Faith is one of those things that causes you to act like the word of God is true. And the power over the devil when you are walking by faith, acting by faith, doing things by faith is more than he can deal with. He has no rights No control over you when you're trusting God and you're doing things the faith way. Everything hinges on faith. Everything. In closing this morning, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19 and verse 14. Talking about power and victory, the use of your faith. Verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure thee or command you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew, and chief of the priest which did so. That was his name, Siva. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, And Paul, I'm acquainted with. Not done with him yet, but I can't overcome him either right now. Paul, I'm acquainted with, but who are you? Let me tell you something in closing. When it comes to your faith, dealing with things of the enemy, the devil knows if you believe what you're telling him to do or not. The devil knew right here, this priest, this preacher named Siva, a leader. He was an exorcist, one who cast out evil spirits. And he would take authority over some of these Jewish people. And he said, I adjure thee by Jesus whom Paul preaches. He didn't know Jesus, had no right to the name, but he saw what Paul did and he figured if it worked for Paul, it would work for him. Not knowing that Paul's relationship with God was personal and not some kind of a ritual or a routine. And he said, I adjure thee by Jesus in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches to come out of him. And the devil spoke up. The devil spoke through a man. They do that sometimes. And the demon said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? There was a voice. The man's voice. One of these people, one of these people he was calling over, a voice spoke. Devil said, I don't have to respect you. I don't have to respond to your so-called authority. You don't have any. You're just trying to imitate what somebody else did. You have no real authority over me. And this is what the devil did. Verse 16, And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. That's his goal, naked and wounded, violence and lust. Naked and wounded. Why would the devil want to beat somebody up and take their clothes off? Why would the devil, in beating somebody up, I mean, this is a man, a man beat another man up. And he beat them up, and then they fled wounded and naked. I've seen a few fights in my life. I've never seen anybody get whipped so bad their clothes flew off of them. (laughs) I've never seen anybody beat somebody up and take their clothes off of them. I've never seen that in my life. I've only heard of it. And here was the man of the devil. Look at all that architecture in these days that he had all these people, you know, all these statues they made. They're all naked. Walk outside. It's still like that. Go to the mall. It's still like that. Same spirit. The same spirit. Violence. Violence. Gladiator spirits in the last days, wounding, hurting, and want to be tough. Space things flying around, people blowing up, or naked. Same spirit, and the devil whooped these guys. Excuse me, uh, whipped these guys, and whipped them so bad, he's just yanking them robes off of them and making them. It, and they went streaking through the city. First time it ever happened. And the people saw what was going on. They said, you know what? We better not mess with this. You better know what you're doing. I learned this many, many years ago. Next week, as we close this series, I want to share with you about deliverance, about casting out the devil. It's a longer subject than one meeting and sometimes very detailed. But you can make more out of it than you really have to. But you're dealing with something in your life as Christians that only you can deal with somebody you never have to be afraid of, somebody you never have to run from, but somebody you must always have wisdom and understanding about how to deal with it. Do you have power in this room? Do you? Look at your life today before we close. Look back the last year or two of your life. How have you used this power? This authority, does what you know enable you? Do you resist the devil? Does your faith work when you exercise it? Are you better off today than you were last year? Are you better off today than you were 10 years ago if you've been here for 10 years? Are you more able, better equipped, more sure and steadfast now than you were, more enlightened, more enthusiastic than you were? Or have you just wondered about all of this and become somewhat subdued? Maybe the devil just wants to keep us wondering. I wonder. I wonder if it'll ever work. I wonder why it doesn't work. Well, if it worked, then why? Will we just spend the rest of our life as little thinkers? Will we just be contemplative? Will we just be ponderers of truth? and never livers and exercisers of it? Or will we say, you know what? I'll let the devil reign and rule in areas of my life long enough. That's it. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to live above and not beneath. I'm going to have and not lack. I'm going to go and not stay behind. I'm going to win and not lose. I'm going to try and not fail. Amen. You can do it. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I do pray that you will deliver us from all the weaknesses of flesh and mind, all the scars of failures in our lives, all the times we felt like drawing back or we did draw back, Forgive us for using busyness as an excuse or hardship as an excuse or whatever we have, whatever we've done. Father, help us to know first and foremost in this life we are servants of the Most High God. And you as our Most High God has given unto us your word. And you have said this way live, and that you will back it with your power from heaven, so that what we do, you will honor it. Bless this word to these people, those who have listened today, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.